You are Locked On Bears, your daily Chicago Bears podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. If I had told you before the game that the Chicago Bears would hold Kirk Cousins under 100 yards and Dalvin Cook under three and a half yards per carry, you would have thought the Bears pulled off the upset. But, of course, as the game showed, no one can out Chicago Bears, the Chicago Bears. This is Locked On Bears, and I'm your host, Lauren Cox. I'm an analyst for Pro Football Focus, and I'm here to bring you your daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. You can follow me on Twitter, at CoxSports1. You can follow the podcast on Twitter, at LockedOnBears. You can like Locked On Bears on Facebook. You can join the Locked On Bears Facebook group for even more Bears talk. And make sure you hit that subscribe button on the Locked On Bears YouTube channel. That's going to be the best way to keep up with all of our video podcasts as well. Thanks for making Locked On Bears your first listen today and every day on the show today. Unfortunately, we have to go through what was just a, a different kind of ugly loss on Monday Night Football. It was a different kind of ugly than like the big blowout to the Buccaneers earlier this season. We'll talk about... Some of the self-inflicted wounds, the turnovers, the penalties, the way the Bears just couldn't seem to get out of their own way so often in this game, despite doing a lot of things well and a lot of things right. We'll also look at how, you know, this Bears team did keep fighting and really did seem to care. And particularly, I want to talk about the Tevin Jenkins penalty there after Justin Fields was hit on the sideline and Jermaine Effetti's response to Tevin Jenkins, because that whole situation really rubbed me the wrong way. And we'll wrap up with a look at this Bears defense, how they they stepped up with the odds stacked against them. Everyone thought it was going to be a disastrous defensive performance. But you got to give credit to Sean Desai and some of these young players in the secondary for doing their jobs, even when some of the rest of the team wasn't able to hold up their end of the bargain. And that was really the story of this game, I think. Yes, great defensive performance, but more so bad not only just bad offense, but just bad execution, because you got to throw in Demir Bird's muffed punt, giving you know an extra possession to the Vikings. Although the Bears did get a, a blocked punt in there too, or a tip punt, but Bears get the tip punt, start the ball at the thirty, and, and finish that drive with zero points. So if that was so often the story in this game. I mean, how many times did the Bears end up in the red zone and end up with no points? They got the field goal right away, and of course. Garbage time, last play of the game, touchdown to Jesper Horstead. But, like, in between that, they could not do anything down in that area of the field. And, you know, some of the blame, occasionally it was a slightly inaccurate pass from Justin Fields. Yes, I think Fields had a solid game for the most part. I mean, fumbles, yes. They're, 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 and taking bad sacks, yes. But he also finishes 26-39 of 39 for 285 yards and a touchdown, albeit with some garbage time inflated stats in there. But... He was consistently averaging over seven yards per attempt throughout the game. It wasn't as though the, the, the garbage time increased the volume, but not as much the efficiency. Like there was one point in the game, he was eleven to thirteen for a hundred and some odd yards, and and had a passer rating over a hundred. Like you know, he was he was playing well on the plays where he wasn't taking sacks and fumbling for the most part. But you know, again, he did fumble a couple of times in this game, and the Bears themselves could not get out of their own way, penalized over and over again. And yes. Some, if not many of those, were bad calls by the referees, 100%. Was it purely bad calls by the referees that lost the Bears this game? I, I don't think so. Like, yes, the Bears were penalized nine times for 91 yards. The Vikings, though, 
they were also penalized seven times for 54. And plus, the referees didn't make Justin Fields fumble. The referees didn't make Demir Bird drop that that punt and muff that punt. The referees didn't make, you know, uh, was it Khalil Herbert dropped, dropped an easy pass on fourth down, didn't make Demir Bird drop a fourth down pass, did not make... Did not make Darnell Mooney land out of bounds in the corner of the end zone, right? It's like it's so many different things along the way for this Bears team as to how they just could not seem to get out of their own way. Mainly just offensively when, you know, Kirk Cousins didn't, and the Vikings didn't have a first down between like for, for the entire length of a quarter from like halfway through the third through halfway to the fourth. But you get these Bears drives where they start, you know, in their own territory at their own 35. They drive all the way down into the red zone or just outside and you know it's fourth and one and Justin Fields rolls to his right and the entire play is just like completely broken you know or they or they you know they they don't line up correctly I mean there's a penalty that backs them up in these third and a mile situations and then they you know they throw curls on second down and or they run on second down and they throw curls on third down and they just are willing to punt or they get fourth and one and maybe Justin Fields takes an unnecessary sack or he's scrambling and looking for something and you know it just isn't there it was there was always seemed to be something else in the Bears way that wasn't typically necessarily just the Vikings defense making a good play don't don't get me wrong like when when no receivers are open and Justin Fields you know can't find anywhere to go with it on that fourth one rollout like yes give the Vikings defense some very real credit for some of the plays that they did make in this game it wasn't purely the Bears crapping themselves but it did feel like a lot of it was the Bears crapping themselves where some of it's play calling some of it's a rookie quarterback some of it's just like your tight end can't hold on to the ball Jimmy Graham can't hold on to it in the end zone Cole Komet struggled on some contested catch balls in there, and you know, maybe and and they weren't able to run the ball quite as well as the Bears might have wanted to. They maybe didn't stick with it quite as much as you would have wanted to. I mean, 18 carries for Montgomery is a step up from where we saw last week, but 3.3 yards per carry, and the Bears started getting down on the scoreboard. You know, they did they did have some urgency to get the passing game going a bit more down the stretch, and it didn't seem like it was until that fourth quarter that they went into a little bit of a no huddle and an upper tempo again, and Fields was hitting like three or four of those in a row and driving down. And, but again, stalling in the red zone. And it's been their nemesis. And, and the broadcast talked about how Fields had knew that was going to be a big point of emphasis for them, and they still weren't able to figure it out. And, be, and it's frustrating when it's not just purely one thing that you can point to where it wasn't, it wasn't purely play calling, and it wasn't purely the quarterbacking, and it's just a, a real culmination of the struggles that this Bears team has faced this season and in a game like this that we didn't expect the Bears defense to play nearly as well as it did so then when they do play well you just have this hope that like the offense needs to do something right I mean the, the defense is having this heroic effort and the offense just needs to score more than 17 points that's like the bare minimum you know you look I think we talked about it earlier in the season when the defense was playing well but the offense was struggling right I think the number one defenses in the NFL average giving up about 17 points per game uh, on average and and so when when your Bears defense can do that, it should be enough for an offense, a, 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 any sort of average mediocre offense. But unfortunately, the Bears are well, well below that. And it's uh, it's definitely a group effort and, and a group blame that goes around here. But I do want to give them credit, even offensively too, for not really ever looking like they gave up and not ever looking like the effort wasn't there. And I, and I kind of want to go through that and a follow-up to what we had talked about on yesterday's podcast and use that as a jumping-off point for the Tevin Jenkins penalty that 
caused a, a, even a reaction from his own teammates, a, a late sort of skirmish by the sideline next on Locked On Bears. You listen to podcasts like Locked On Bears for the power of knowledge. You switch to Boost Mobile for the power of saving money. Because with Boost, you get the power of a free 5G phone. So you can listen to all of the latest episodes of Locked On Bears and all of our great Locked On podcasts here. But you also get the power of three unlimited data lines for just $30 a month per line. So your entire family can harness all that brain power too. It's also the power of one of America's largest 5G networks. So you can do all your podcast listening, internet surfing, social media posting, all of it at the speed of 5G. And with all the money you'll save and all the knowledge you'll gain, just, just how powerful will you become? Switch to Boost Mobile and find out. Get a free Samsung Galaxy A32 5G phone when you switch to one of America's largest 5G networks. More power to save. Boost Mobile. Free phone limited to new customers and one per line. Additional restrictions apply. Offers and coverage not available everywhere or for all phones and networks. See BoostMobile.com for details. I was wondering if we would see this Bears team start to give up a little bit more. You know, after the quotes came out last week from Jalen Johnson saying that he felt like some players were starting to maybe tank the season a little bit and some players were still fighting hard and whether or not there was this split in this locker room, I was encouraged to see that. I mean, even in the fourth quarter down 14, and I think it helped too that the Bears were, not that they were within one possession for the whole game, but like, For a little while there, I mean, even with a couple minutes left in the fourth quarter, right? You don't trust this Vikings team to finish finish out games. So there was some some level of like, maybe maybe they could do it. You know, when Fields started lighting it up there, so like it wasn't like they were down twenty four and had no reason to fight. So I I will I guess caveat it that way. But it brings me back to what we talked about on yesterday's podcast, like comparing to like what we saw from the Detroit Lions beating the Cardinals on Sunday, where it's like that Lions team has two wins and they don't have a lot to fight for and yet they do still fight hard for their head coach and they do are they're still like a tough team and they won that game fairly I mean not handily but like it, it wasn't like a last minute upset like they were when they beat the Minnesota Vikings where it took a last minute touchdown type of thing it, like it was it was a fairly controlled Detroit Lions victory because because they buy in to the, what their coach says and they fight hard and so like as, as those Johnson quotes were coming out I wondered if we would see some of that with the Chicago Bears team. And maybe it helps that some of the players we suspected or, or had as suspects that could be potentially giving up were on the COVID list or injured and not playing in this team and not playing in this game. And you had a lot of players called up from the practice squad that had not played this season. So, of course, they're going to go out there in their season debut and play their tails off. They're just happy to be on the field, a lot of those guys. And I think, I think there's something to be said there about those guys being able to bring especially defensively in that secondary, which we'll get to a little bit later in the podcast. Like they brought a certain energy and excitement just to have the opportunity to be on the field because they were not going to take take it for granted. Whether the Bears have four wins or 14 wins, whether the Bears are down 14 or up 14, right, or whether they're down 40, th- those players were just thrilled to be on the field playing in a real NFL game in prime time under the lights, I should say, on national television. Like, yes, they, they brought the effort. And I was particularly... You know, I I was I felt particularly strong about the Tevin Jenkins unnecessary roughness penalty. Where, yes, you don't want your players to get penalties, and the Bears had far too many penalties. Penalties were a problem, and penalties have been a problem for Tevin Jenkins specifically. The false starts, 
the holding was ticky tacky bullcrap, but the false starts, especially in the penalties for his first game, like he has too many penalties. But I am perfectly okay with the penalty he got for sort of punching slash slapping, shoving, whatever verb you want to use, the Minnesota Vikings defensive lineman after Justin Fields got hit going out of bounds. And the broadcast talked about how it wasn't really a dirty hit and that there was, he took a couple, like Fields had taken a couple steps and was an active runner and was not just a defenseless player going to the sideline. And, you know, we the, the point to me is not to argue whether or not it was a penalty. It was still a big hit on your quarterback. And I want every offensive lineman stepping up to defend my quarterback every single time he's hit by any defensive player. And consistently, we don't see any Bears offensive lineman do that until Tevin Jenkins came in last week. We saw it every time. Tevin Jenkins last week in his first game, as bad as he played, and every play, he would be the first player running over to Justin Fields to help him up. He would be the first player running over to David Montgomery and helping him up. At the end of every play, he was there for his teammates. And so when Justin Fields gets hit late or hit at the end of a play, legally or not, going out of bounds, I want Tevin Jenkins over there in somebody's face. Somebody on the offensive line has to care. You know what I mean? Like, that's what I love to see. And for Jermaine Effetti, of all people, to go over there and then get in Tevin Jenkins' face about it is ridiculous. I mean, get out of here with that fake leadership BS. Jermaine Effetti hasn't been there all season. You know what I mean? And it wasn't his fault that he got injured and he was on the COVID list or whatever. Like, So don't get me wrong, but, like, who are you to come in here and come over to the rookie and be like, hey, kid, and get in his face. And he, he shoved Tevin Jenkins and was, like, slapping him a little bit and, like, trying to push him back. Like, like no. Like, you, Tevin, like, don't get me wrong. If it was Jason Peters, future Hall of Famer, leader of that offensive line, grinder all season, yes, okay, he can come over and be the leader. And I get that Effetti is, you know, one of the veterans of the group. But, like, dude, you're going to get in the guy's face for penalties? when you were the most penalized offensive lineman in the NFL for the first four years of his career. His second season, he had 19 penalties with the Seattle Seahawks. Number one in the NFL in shooting himself in the foot, mental mistake penalties. And you're going to be the one that gets in Tevin Jenkins' face when he's defending his quarterback. I don't care about the 15 yards. You know what I mean? The Bears are 4-9 or whatever. If this was like pivotal playoff game, pivotal moment or whatever, but like, no. Go step up for your teammate and give a damn about the player next to you. The rest of this offensive line has been so soft in the entire Matt Nagy era. They're not physical. They don't hustle to the end of plays. They lose their block and they turn around and kind of throw their hands up and say, ah, well, play is over. And Tevin Jenkins does it. And, and that's what I appreciate about him. Yes, he has not been good these two games. Although I do think you take out the penalties, the actual blocking plays have been better than the penalties, I think, reflect in his performances. But, like, he cares. He cares more than anybody else on that offensive line. He sure as hell cares a lot more than Jermaine Effetti has the last two seasons we've seen him in Chicago. I mean, he's not, he's been in this soft group of offensive linemen. And so then for him to come over and try and scold that rookie like he's some big shot leader offensive lineman, the, the, the moderate, the example that your rookie should follow is just ridiculous. Like, get over yourself. You can come over and, and put your arm around Tevin and say, hey, man, it's not worth it or whatever. And you can, you can be a friend and a good teammate, but to go over there and be what looked like visibly abusive is a strong word. Abrasive. How about abrasive? We'll, we'll, we'll try and give him some benefit of doubt there. Like, come on, dude. Like they need more Tevin Jenkinses and fewer Jermaine Effetti's on this bears offensive line, but it speaks to these younger players stepping in after having not being able to play all season and seeming to care a lot more 
than some of the other veterans that have been on this roster. And it, it honestly, it does reflect well on the coaching staff for to have these players fired up and standing up for their teammates and caring to the very end of a game they're losing when they're losing again, you know, after so many losses this season, still being able to, to harness that and have that for a full game. I, I, it's encouraging to see in that one area that they have not given up. Of course, encouraging to see the defense play as well as it did, really bouncing back in spite of missing so many players. We'll, we'll take a closer look at some of the standout performances and just how impressive it was next on Locked On Bears. Super Bowl 56 is just a couple of months away now. I know the Chicago Bears won't be anywhere near that eliminated from the playoffs, but if, you, if you've ever been to the Super Bowl before, now is your opportunity to do so. Our friends at On Location are the only place to score a once-in-a-lifetime Super Bowl ticket and experience package. On Location is the official hospitality partner of the NFL. So all of this is a premium, legitimate, above-board experience package. You get to choose your exact seats. You're not. This is not a scalper thing. This is not any kind of shady deal. This is... Exact Seats NFL partnership at the Super Bowl, plus a variety of elite experiences featuring exclusive pre-game celebrations with NFL legends. I mean, can, can, you cannot get that anywhere else. Plus five-star Los Angeles hotels and food by the great Wolfgang Puck. I mean, it is really for the mind, body, and soul and stomach, your Super Bowl experience. Visit onlocationexp.com slash SB56 for more information, or you can just search Super Bowl on location. The website again, onlocationexp.com slash SB56, or search the words Super Bowl on location. The last touchdown pass there to Jesper Horstead was so close to being a a real all-time bad beat for sports bettors out there. At betonline.ag, the line ended with Bears minus seven. But because the Bears didn't kick the extra point, they lost by eight because the NFL rule changed where you don't kick extra points on scoring plays at the end of a game that don't matter or don't count towards the, the outcome of the game. So very, very close to flipping the odds there for a lot of betters. Some betters, I think, when the COVID started getting worse for the Bears, ended up getting it at you know Vikings plus 13, I think, is what I saw somebody get, or they did uh, alternative lines to get Vikings plus 13. And those people got screwed over by that late Bears touchdown. But hey, that's what makes betting on these games so much fun. And betonline.ag is the number one place we recommend for all your sports action this season. Not just the Bears, but college football, playoffs, bowl games, plus NHL, boxing, soccer, hockey, tennis, basketball, you name it, they have it at BetOnline. Sign up today for a free account. And when you do, enter in our promo code Locked on, and they're going to give you a free 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's them giving you free money to play with at Bet Online, where the game starts. This game started with me so impressed by this Bears defense. Because when, when the COVID-19 list came out, and your entire Bears secondary is either injured or on COVID. The four main starters on COVID, your starting slot cornerback for now, Xavier Crawford, injured. You you match that up against one of the best wide receivers in the NFL in Justin Jefferson. Even with Adam Thielen out, this was supposed to be a disaster for the Bears defense. You know, in the pregame, he's wearing Randy Moss's Pro Bowl jersey in front of Randy Moss, you know, former Viking, great having similar type of production for the Vikings. And it's like, oh, geez, you know, is, is he going to push for the NFL's single game receiving record in a game going up against Kendall Vildor, 
who was benched earlier this season for too many miscommunications and mistakes. And then on the other side, your rookie six-round pick, Thomas Graham, who's been on the practice squad all season and has never played an NFL game before. And honestly, and Thomas Graham had not played a, a, like a competitive football game since 2020 or 2019 because he opted out of his final college season. So 2019, he played. And I think technically he lingered into the beginning of 2020 before the pandemic started. He then opts out for the 2020 season, gets drafted by the Bears in the sixth round, goes on the practice squad. So this was his first game in like, almost two calendar years. Not on paper a favorable matchup for the Bears defense against Justin Jefferson, even with Adam Thielen out. And then the slot, Mark Creek Christian, also a former benched player. And your safeties on the back end are Deion Bush and Tease Tabor, one career backup and one catastrophic second-round bust by the Detroit Lions. There was The Bears had no business not only shutting down Justin Jefferson, I mean, you know, 47 yards is, is not a terrible – it's a bad performance for Justin Jefferson, but not terrible, I mean, for, you know, some players. But, right, shut down Justin Jefferson, shut down Kirk Cousins, and the entire – really, I mean, shut down the Vikings' offense for the most part. 87 passing yards, a 69 passer rating. Might be nice, but I, I saw a stat. I think it was like he was one of three quarterbacks in the – modern era or in the last 20 years, I don't, I don't have the exact stat in front of me, to, to have 24 passing attempts and under 100 passing yards and win the game. I think it was Jake DeLome, and I don't remember who the third quarterback was, but this this was like the, the, that that Jimmy Clausen, Todd Collins level, like Bears quarterback performances where they've had some real bad stinker games that somehow the Bears have been able to hold on to and win before. Like that's how well... They limited Kirk Cousins and and one of the top wide receivers in the NFL. And then on top of it, they hold Dalvin Cook to 3.2 yards per carry. Like, you should win those games. And they get the interception from Deion Bush on a play where they literally tackled just Justin Jefferson and got away with a pretty egregious penalty over the middle of the field. That's why the interception looked so bad. But, like, still, like, this was a winning caliber defensive performance. And that's unbelievable. It's, I mean, it really is unbelievable when you consider the starting lineup, the preseason defense they had on the back end. And I, I don't want to take anything away from two sacks by Robert Quinn, including a strip sack. That wasn't a turnover, but still a strip sack. And two sacks by Akeem Hicks. They were both phenomenal. And they both gave Kirk Cousins a lot of trouble. But all of it to say is a lot of credit for defensive coordinator Sean Desai, someone who has taken some flack this season. There's certain segments of Chicago Bears Twitter that rail on Sean Desai every single week, and I didn't hear a peep out of them on Sunday, or excuse me, on Monday night, last night during the game. Like, I not a peep about them. From the, the Sean Desai haters were very, very quiet. And I'm not even here to be a big Sean Desai supporter. Like, yes, he's had some, some very questionable performances and questionable coaching and some questionable decisions here and there. Like, don't get me wrong. This is not like a, I was right and you were wrong about Sean Desai. No, 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 no. But he definitely had a very, very solid game of coaching. You know, there were a couple of moments there where miscommunication on the touchdown to that rookie wide receiver with the hyphenated last name from the Vikings. Um, can't, I got it in front of me. So Smith Marset, where I think Kendall Vildor and the, the, everybody went with, with Justin Jefferson. And you don't know for sure whether it was Vildor's fault or someone else's, but Vildor was the closest, so we blame him, right? Maybe, I mean, that's, is that, is that, inexperienced players or, or coaching, maybe somewhere in between. And then Deion Bush on the Justin Jefferson touchdown just smoked to the outside. And, like, 
He's got to know better that his help in coverage is on the inside and you just need to stop him going outside. And he still let him go outside. I'm sure the coaching staff is smart enough for, to tell him that. It's just thinking it, reacting to it. I'm like, they ran double China seven. That The route concept they ran in that play, they run in the red zone all the time. I, when Justin Jefferson was the inside slot receiver there, I knew it was going to him in the corner of the end zone. Like, you just know... Two guys run are going to run underneath. It's an easy read for Kirk Cousins. If the cornerback stays underneath, then you know that corner of the end zone is going to be wide open. Like Double China 7 is what they run there. It's what most teams run in the red zone to try and get an elite receiver open in the corner of the end zone. So like Deion Bush should have had an, idea, an understanding even of not only where his coverage help was with the safety inside of him, so he could let, you know, if, Jeff, if Jefferson goes inside, he's got more help there. He should know that, and then also he should know a lot of teams run this play, and the Vikings run this play. When Justin Jefferson is the inside slot receiver, it's a tendency that he's going to run that corner route. So you should know what play is coming and also know that you need to defend that area of the field regardless of what play is coming. And he still just was totally out of position to defend Justin Jefferson. Frustrating moment. (laughs) Detracts from the point here that for the most part, outside of that, very well done by this Bears defense. And they didn't choke it at the end either. You know, we've seen those performances where Defense plays well for a while, and then the offense is so bad that eventually the defense just collapses by the end and can't hold the dam for four quarters. But, like, there was that stretch there, like halfway through the third. So Vikings scored the the Smith-Marset touchdown with five minutes left in the third quarter, just under six minutes left in the third quarter to go up 17-3. And then they went three and out, uh, three and out, and then another drive that ended in a punt. And they didn't get, like, another first down, I think, until... Let's see. The, the, the next first down was with 3.59 to go in the fourth quarter. So they went from six minutes in the third to four minutes in the fourth. More than a full 15 minutes of game time without a, fourth, without a first down in the second half. And that's so impressive given who was in the secondary for the Bears and, and other, the other injuries they've had in the front seven. I mean, don't forget Khalil Mack is out and that Danny Trevathan is not playing and that this defensive line has been limited and Akeem Hicks is not 100%. Like, that was a great defensive performance. And if it's the last highlight reel we have of Akeem Hicks in a Bears uniform getting two sacks against the Vikings, it's a hell of a way to remember how well he's played for this Bears team and how well he's played against the Minnesota Vikings in particular. So, you know, I hope you feel, I hope it feels a little bit better about the game, right? I mean, it was, it was ugly and it was frustrating and it was, it was a lot of bad football, but it was, it was good defensive performance. It was offensive linemen and young players caring. And that's, that's the main thing you can ask for when you got a deadbeat head coach and you're eliminated from the playoffs. That's what I'm going to be looking for from this team next week against Seattle and for the rest of this season. You can be sure we'll break it all down for you five days a week right here on the Lockdown Bears podcast. So make sure you're subscribed to keep up with all of our daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. Thanks for making Lockdown Bears your first listen today. If you're looking for your second listen today, I was the guest on Lockdown NFL on today's Lockdown NFL podcast, more of the national look at the league. We talking about this Bears Vikings game, and we had some other storylines that we didn't have a chance to get to on this podcast today. So go check out that for all of your national NFL coverage, including some specific Bears talk with Ross Jackson from Lockdown Saints, who is the host, one of the hosts, rotating hosts of the Locked On NFL podcast. Tune back in for the rest of this week as we break down this game a little more and then turn our attention to that Seahawks game and Slowly, we're going to start to get to know Bears head coaching candidates more throughout the rest of the season. So hopefully the Lockdown Bears podcast can make it just a little bit easier for you that even when the team is not playing well, the podcast can get you going and make it that much easier to bear down.